0: the Catholic teaching on excommunication. And we begin in nominat patris espiritu et, filio, et sancti. Amen. And again, I'm your instructor, David L. Gray, Master of Arts in Theology. So what is excommunication? Well, literally, it, the word means ex is the, the prefix here is out of community. So you're out of community. Excommunication, Latin excommunicare, meaning literally out of community puts out of the community, expelled from the community. Excommunication, what it does is it wounds our communion of God and neighbor, Christ and his church. So ontologically, we just go back to the original sin, right? The original sin that's propagated to us from our parents. What it does, uh, we're, we're born in this condition where our relationship with God is wounded, We're not well. And what the sacrament of baptism does is it makes us well. It makes us whole. Now, we're still, we still have concupiscence, right? We still have this desire to not always choose the good. And when we do not choose the good, when we sin, that wound is broken open again, right? If you ever broke anything, your body, your lawnmower, You know, it doesn't work as it ought. It's not well. It's not functioning appropriately. And so the more we break open that wound, the less we work well, the less we choose well. But the more we choose original virtue, the more we say yes to God, um, the more consistently we're able to choose the good. So those who are not excommunicated it is simple to know who is excommunicated from the church and who is not right who's not well those who cannot receive communion right the when we're not when we're not well we're not in a position where we're properly disposed to receive the sacraments of the holy eucharist right it's sort of like if you have a physical condition something not well with your body but you need a surgery sometimes there is also another pre-existing condition that's going on inside of you where you need to get that healed first before you can get the surgery okay so um in in the same way when we're not well when we've what the church teaches that when we've Sin in the way we've committed a grave sin, right? When we invade against God mortally, then we're not well enough to receive the sacraments or the holy Eucharist. In fact, as the apostle taught that those who receive the sacraments um who do not properly discern it, right, discern their condition, then the sacramental Eucharist actually has the capacity to harm us. Why? Because God is truly holy. Jesus Christ is truly holy. And so when what is truly holy comes to into what is not well, it may aggravate the situation, right? Our, our body, in a sense, rejects the Holy, because we're not well again. We go back to the analogy of the physician, we weren't read, ready for that type of care. Uh, we first had to have something else remedied, so that's when the sacrament of penance and reconciliation comes in to make us well enough to receive the next medicinal care, which is the Holy Eucharist. All right, so, um, so that's simply how do we know those who are excommunicated, those who cannot receive. Holy communion. There's something is wounded there. Something is damaged between the relationship between Christ and his church so that they cannot, um, they're not properly disposed to receive communion. They cannot commune with God rightly because of the state of sin that they're in. So there are various means for reconciliation for the communicated, and we'll talk about those. Unique terms, we'll also get into those. We'll talk about Latte sentia for the self-imposed wounds of communion. For example, those who belong to sets of Freemasonry. Latte sentia excommunicated just by the very act, and we'll talk more about that. We'll also talk about um, uh, Ferende sentia for the church-imposed. Ecclesiastical censor, and so I think when people think of excommunication, this is what they're this is what they're thinking in their mind. What they're thinking of a formal censor by a bishop or a pope. And we'll we'll get into this this broader subject, so we can think about what does it mean to be not in communion, because this is serious, very serious matter. So we're talking about excommunication communication basically along two avenues. There's the self-imposed, um, being not in communion with Christ and his church, being not in full communion um, through um, uh, just by things you may or may not be in control of. We'll talk about that. Also, self-imposed through grave sin. Also self-imposed by Latte Sintia. Then that's when we'll start to get into canon law and the three other types of censors that comes from ecclesiastical authorities. So this is our class for today. These are the two avenues that we'll explore. So the first one is self-imposed excommunication being simply not in full communion with Christ in his church. So this is a type of excommunication because you're not in communion. Right? It includes those who have not been baptized and profess the Catholic faith. For example, Protestants are not in full communion with Christ in his church, more so obviously those who have not even been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit but also includes those who have been baptized right? in the Latin West. We have a lot of them who have been baptized, but not admitted to this thing we made up called First Communion, this non-sacrament middle thing between baptism and, and confirmation. It's, this situation is unique to the West ever since um, the sacraments of initiation were separated i think had it happened sometime in around i think the 11th century around uh, or the 12th century when for just historical accidents bishops weren't able to get around to do confirmations and so we came up with this thing where we divided the sacraments which is crazy dividing the sacraments of initiation to have baptism and that the priest can do, and then in the middle, there's this uh, First Communion, and we came up with this thing called Age of Reason, that, that became messy and sloppy. And then later on, you know, there's this Sacraments of Confirmation. So, very problematic, something we've done in the West, in the Latin Church. But the Catholic, um, the Catholic of, of the Catholic Church, once you get into the section on the Sacraments of Initiation, actually talks about... Um, there's opportunity there for the Latins to revisit this and bring the church back into full communion about how, about with the sacraments of initiation. So the church there um, does recognize that we need to return. So I don't know when that's going to happen, whether a council or a synod or just some sort of decree by Pope, but it definitely needs to happen. But effectively, children are excommunicated, babies, not in communion full communion with Christ and his church. So we've excommunicated children back in the 11th or 12th century. And it's quite a, quite amazing that we've done that. So reconciliation. So all excommunications, when you're not in communion or full communion, with Christ and his church is always a path to full communion. Right. So it's through reconciliation. So for this is the reconciliation is the sacraments of initiation for those, for the babies been excommunicated due to historical accidents in the Latin church. It's First Communion. Whatever that is. And then there is um, self-imposed excommunication by grave sin. This is this one is Automatic. So not in communion, that's communicated due to grave sin. Sin, the church teaches, is always, all sin is an offense against God who is all good. So when we choose, when we don't choose good, we offend God, right? Because we have the capacity to choose good. More so, obviously, with those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. But sin, it wounds the nature of man and injures our communion, our solidarity with each other. So sin not only affects self, there's no such thing as private sin, right? Um, (laughs) So sin, it it affects us, but because it also affects us, it also um, offends God and also affects our relationship with the church, the community. So because we're not well, all right, so I say, let's say I'm not well, because I'm not well, I cannot offer my gifts that God's created me for to offer the church as I ought because I'm not well, I'm not fully functioning. Those who are Star Trek fans understand that reference from data. So mortal sin is grave matter. So what it does, what mortal sin is, um, mortal sin is three things. One is is grave matter is committing. That sin with full knowledge and with deliberate consent, you know. Real quickly, you cannot commit a mortal sin if someone forces you to do it, right? So that's not how that works, nor if you have full knowledge, right? So what it does is that it turns man away from God, right? So it moves men. It's the opposite of metanoia. It's the opposite of conversion. Conversion turns man to God. Grave sin turns man away from God. So it turns man. So God is our community, right? He's our father. He's our household. That's in the household. We in. So grave matter turns us out of the door of that household. Hmm. Uh, think about the the prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son in a sin sign. Um, it sort of turns us away. We move in the opposite direction or think of Jonah. We move in the opposite direction. That's what sin does. So effectively it excommunicates us. It takes us out of the community. So it wounds, does not permanently break our relationship, but it, it wounds. Um, grave matter is also specified by the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. So if you want to know what grave matter is, we'll read the Ten Commandments. Largely, uh, self-imposed excommunication by grave sin also would include um, not adhering to the obligatory five moral precepts at a Catholic church. Now, we notice effectively. That if you don't go to Mass on holy days of obligation, well, you have to return to confession. You're not a communion. Uh, you have to return to confession. Uh, first, you need conversion. Then you need penance and reconciliation so that you can be admitted to the sacraments again. You're not in communion. You're excommunicated. Um, Other ones, not going to... Um, confession at least once a year then this is, you're not in communion if you haven't followed any of the one of the, at least one of the five more precepts of the Catholic Church so, but again, with all these the church was, provides a path back home, just like the prodigal son always had a path back home Jonah had a path to do what God called him to do, we just need a conversion, so um. Conversion, penance, and reconciliation, um, particularly for grave sins. For venial sins, there's avenues for conversion and, and penance outside the sacraments of reconciliation, penance, and reconciliation. Um, the catechism outlines many of those. The Mass itself provides opportunity for non-sacramental absolution. I would say more so in the Eastern rites, then, um, the traditional Latin and the Norvis Ordo, but still the the, the liturgy is a, is a beautiful place, um, where one might receive the sac- non-sacramental absolutions, even a priest, the things that he says quietly, right? And I always love it when the priest says the quiet out loud, right? Um... But the prayers that the church has given him to say on our behalf, the intercessions he makes as a priest, suffices for non-sacramental absolution for venal sins. So let's continue into now in a group of... Um, so what we've been talking about before is just the word literally itself. How do we fall in a position where we're not in communion with Christ and his church? How are we excommunicated? So we outline those through... <coughs> through just choices we may or not make as a, as a baby or as, as a Protestant, not being in communion, just in a sense, naturally, right? Unnaturally. And then we talked about grave matter, right? So, but now we're getting into the group of self-imposed excommunication communication that is really specified by canon law. And this is the group that I think people tend to more, they think of when they think of excommunication, communication, they think of just these formal actions of the church, um, Rather self-imposed or ecclesial, uh, opposed from the ecclesial authorities, rather than grave sin and what we do to babies. But again, this is a much broader subject that we need to think about when we think of how, not we have to be in communion with God because we were created for community with God, neighbor. In Christ and his church. We were created for that. We were created for communion and we're always being called to communion. So it's important to understand how are we not in communion? When, when does that happen? So one that is common of sex S, S, um, S communication, self-imposed S communication is Latte Cynthia. Epso facto already already happened. Just by the very act itself of something that we do. Um, the good thing about canon law <clears throat> is that canon law Specifies not all in one place, there's a lot of them in one place. You look at section, um, the, the 13 block, the later 13 block, there's a lot of them there, but it isn't specifically reserved to just that section. You'll find them in other places in But Cantalab is great, um, in instances of Latte Cynthia. <clears throat> so, from section 1364 down, it Specifically delineates instances by which a person breaks communion with Christ and his church ipso facto. For example, 1367 a person who throws away the consecrated species or takes or retains them for a sacrilegious purpose incurs a latte senti excommunication reserved to the apostolic see. Moreover, a cleric can be punished with another penalty, not excluding dismissal from the clerical state. Canon 1382, a bishop who consecrates someone a bishop without a pontifical mandate and a person who receives the consecration from him incur a latte centia as communication reserved to the apostolic see. 1368, a person who procures a completed abortion incurs a latte sentia excommunication. Right. So again, the path back. So uh, reconciliation is here is typically reserved. It's, it's going to be conversion. <laughs> it's going to be some sort of penance and reconciliation involved typically, but it's always ultimately reserved to the apostolic see or sometimes special permission is given to lower clergy or to an ordinary bishop. Uh, for example um, benedict the 14th when he was pope right after clement the 12th this had to be um, in the 17 late 1740s he had initiated a jubilee year as a special occasion for him but he allowed for he specified a particular sins by which a person can be reconciled back to Christ in his church just through a priest. In particular, um, it was Freemasonry at that time. So if you were a Freemason, you were excommunicated due to the papal bull of Clement XII. You now had opportunity to just um, convert and attend to the sacrament of penance and reconciliation with your priest, a local priest, and be absolved of that sin and be brought back into the community and be able to receive communion again. So that's Latte Cynthia, ipso facto already passed type S communication. Now let's get into the block of S communications that are imposed, right? From by, by the church. So we have been talking about the three ways by which we excommunicate communicate ourselves, um, or, as communicated in a sense by our parents or by not having full knowledge, you know, being maybe a Protestant, who doesn't really know what the Catholic church teaches. Um, and also by grave matter. And, and lastly by Latte Cynthia, things that we, we do ourselves, um, and we're not in full communion or communion with Christ in his church. Now we're going to get into the three, um, Areas where it's imposed upon us by ecclesiastical authorities. So the first one, um, and we could think of all these as type of censors. That's what the uh, the canon code of canon law speaks of. as a censor. So the first one in um, Canon three thirteen thirty two, it talks about an interdict. An interdict binds the person on whom it was imposed according to specified prescriptions. So an interdict, um, it, it's always specific. It, it speaks about, um, this is what you're receiving this interdict for. And it also specifies what the remedy is. So this isn't just some sort of blanket thing. It isn't, it isn't wide ranging. It's always specific because it's medicinal. We could, again, we think about this as medicine. So if you take, I don't know, a Tylenol for, I don't know, a headache, somehow that pill addresses the headache. It's not going to address, I don't know, um, monkeypox. It's not going to address that, (laughs) all right? A Tylenol is going to take care of that because that's not what it's it's for. So it's not wide-ranging. It's not going to take care of all your ailments, and I'm not quite sure why you would have monkeypox in the first place, but this, what an interdict is, is for, let me cite some examples, of these specific interdicts, from the past, in 2022, Archbishop Salvatore Corderione, issues an interdict, against U.S. House Representative, Nancy Pelosi, binding her, not to be admitted, to the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist, until after conversion, penance and reconciliation, right? And he specified, what does that look like? What, is, what does penance look like? Well, it says that you're, you, you're going to, um, um, and conversion looks like, what it, what it looks like is you're going to no longer publicly um, support child murder. And you're going to publicly announce that. That's what it looks like, it's specific. Um. So Nancy Pelosi, because of that interdict, she's literally not in communion with Christ in his church, she cannot receive communion. She has to go to the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. So she's she's excommunicated, literally, um, through this interdict. Um, once she makes this conversion and, um, and goes through penance and reconciliation, it's reserved to her ordinary Archbishop Salvatore Corleone, for to her restore her communion with Christ in his church. Now we'll talk about, yes, this isn't, we'll get to momentarily here, a formal excommunication. Um, that we see later on in the canon, but we'll get to that, what that looks like, but interdicts, they look various ways. Okay, they they take various forms. They can sometimes block our communion from the Holy Eucharist, which means we're literally not in communion. Our right? rest communicated through interdict. But also, it, um, there's other examples, such as in 1995 when Joseph Archbishop Joseph Rummel placed an entire chapel under interdict. And this is down outside of New Orleans, Louisiana place the entire chapel under interdict for refusing a black priest's admittance into their chapel. So he put this entire chapel under this interdict. And what it did, what it specified was that they could no longer hold mass, uh, which means they cannot uh, celebrate the mass. There cannot be a liturgy there. They cannot disseminate Holy Communion. <clears throat> to this community and the interdict was in place for three years. So uh, the recourse that chapel had was to their ordinary, to the archbishop. Another example Um, after my annulment. So I was married civilly um, came into the church in 2006. i um, a wife at the time, no longer the, Wanted to be married, right? Fought for my marriage, went through all the court procedures. <clears throat> but then after she was granted <clears throat> her civil divorce, <clears throat> um, then it was on me to apply to the church for annulment. I don't think she participated. At least she got the letter, didn't participate. And so eventually the church granted the annulment that I had petitioned for. But also included in that annulment was the interdict against me um' saying that um that I could know I could not receive the sacrament of holy matrimony again until after I went through some sort of counseling marital counseling or whatever so um, I eventually did <clears throat> enter into the sacrament of holy matrimony with my current wife and uh, but before, I did that. I had to go hire a counselor and visit many sessions. The counselor had to write a letter, I had to give that letter to my priest who didn't submitted it to the diocese, uh, to the tribunal or to the bishop. I don't know. But then I was there, you know, they had given me permission to enter to the sacrament of holy matrimony again. So the interdict did not block me from Holy Communion, or any other of the sacraments. It was specific, and there was a path towards reconciliation in it. So that's how the interdict works. Now we'll move on to the second one, the second of three in this group. It is what the canon law calls a just penalty. And so you'll see this in the Code of Canon Law from 1333 down to 1338. So just penalties are strictly under the purview of the ecclesial Office um, and includes also includes suspension of clerics, expiratory penalties. That is just an act of appeasing and making well dispose So these again, these actions of the church are medicinal. Therefore, are benefit. They're they're there to help correct this in some way to make us whole. And so, but we also know that this section right here, this just penalty section, can often also sometimes be abused by bishops. Um, and we notice by looking at the, the Coalition for Canceled Priests, go to cancelpriests.org, and you'll see priests who have been, the term is canceled by their bishop, not for doing anything nefarious or ugly or nasty, but simply because, you know, they want to celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. They they were, they may have been particularly conservative, so-called, in espousing some of their, their views during a homily. Um, and so somehow they just ran afoul of their bishop. And so bishop has, some bishops have relegated some of these priests to their mother's basement, right? providing them little to no help or money. Um, and so it's um, so, so, yeah, this, this, this here, this just penalty um, has been used by some bishops to just bully, persecute and harm just really good priest. Um, hopefully that's the exception, not, not the norm, but it's ugly it's, and it's nasty. And these priests have just very little recourse to get help. <laughs> And, and it's sad because I think it, it keeps people from responding um, to their call to things like such as the diaconate or even to priesthood it. Uh, um, because no one wants to really give up, give their life and um, know that they aren't going to be treated well. Some people just aren't into that type of <laughs> abuse, signing up for that type of abuse. So it looks scary. So it's something that we definitely have to work on. Um a few examples here. Um code of canon law 2335, again let's go back to Freemasonry. <laughs> That's a subject I'm really an expert on. So that code of canon law says a person who joins an association which passed against a church is to be punished with a just penalty. One person, uh, one, per, one whom promotes or takes office in such association is to be punished with an interdict. So in this code of canon law, you see the two options, right? As communication really isn't necessarily on a table. It could get to that, but the starting place for organizations, associations that plots against a church Is a just penalty or interdict? Freemasonry is mentioned here, as it was in the 1917 Code of Canon Law. But Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, in 1983, right before this canon was promulgated, did specify that the penalties for Masonic associations has not changed. It's still ipso facto sentia, excommunicated. Um, Cannot receive the sacraments of Holy Eucharist until. Conversion, penance, reconciliation. But here, and this actually, but this even though this one doesn't mention Freemasonry, is actually a little bit stronger than the 1917 Code of Canon Law. My book, The Catholic Catechism of Freemasonry, I talk more about this because the 1917 Code of Canon Law did not really revisit what the Popes has said on the subject of Freemasonry. Um, it was not just joining; it was assisting; it was helping in any way, um, Freemasons and Masonic orders, housing them, allowing them to meet in your building. Associating with any way was grave matter. Pope Clement XII, Leo XIII outlined all this. But so when we got to the Code of Canon Law in 1917 concerning Freemasonry, it didn't get into just joining, right? So you're still able to help them, assist them. Perhaps why we have so many Masonic allies in the Catholic Church. But um but 2335 it returned to the original spirit right and say um any uh one who promotes is also open to an interdict so again the interdict if they receive one for joining an organization that plots against the church right I was criticized by some sets of the Catholic Church, you know, a year or so ago, because I said, "Black Lives Matter is a communist organization, and it does plots against the church clearly in its teachings and its actions." Um. So cause I was criticized for that, right? Because I was sen- essentially saying that these people are excommunicated, need to be excommunicated, or receive an interdict or just penalty, right? But should that have happened, the interdict by the bishop would have been precise, um, same because you belong to this organization, and it would have provided a remedy back. Another example was Bishop Fabian Bruskowitz. I mean, he the access to the sacraments of the Holy Eucharist for Catholics who belonged to <coughs> Planned Parenthood, the Freemasons, and he also specified all of their appended adopted orders and affiliate orders for children and women. So we call those Masonic. Um, the Hemlock Society for Catholics for Free Choice, Hemlock Society, comma, Catholics for Free Choice, Call to Action, Society of St. Pius the Tenth, specifically in Lincoln, Nebraska, was St. Michael, the Archangel Chapel at the S S P X. So, if you belong to any of those, in 1986, um, Bishop Fabian Broskowski was saying, after April 15th, you have you have an interdict against you. You cannot. You do not have access to the sacraments or the Holy Eucharist if you belong to any of these organizations. Now, this inter, inter, um, interdict was more really wide ranging. It wasn't, it wasn't going to a, a specific person such as Nancy Pelosi, right? It went to just the whole group of 88,000 Catholics in his diocese to all of them saying, if you belong to any these organizations, you are excommunicated, literally, literally, I meaning you don't have, you're out of communion with Christ in his church. All right, so in the last one what people oftentimes think of, clearly, when you think of excommunication is an ordinary or the pope specifically naming a person or group of people and saying you are excommunicated, all right? This is a formal censor. It's not like all the previous excommunications in the sense that they're literally saying that you're not in communion by virtue of your action. The action itself uh, breaks your communion with Christ in his church. Right. But this one is formal is direct. It's, it's specified It's naming a sin. Right. And is in um, it's a, it's a firm prescription. Uh, we can think about this, Medicinally, that, um, in a sense that is it's precise, it's looking at a very specific thing. If you're if you're a doctor, you're, um, saying yes, I'm going to cut off your leg. Your your leg is no longer going to be there. That's the only remedy that's possible. Yes, it's extreme, but whatever this is, this gangrene. Or whatever, or this monkey pox. I don't know if monkeypox spread on the body. Um, but whatever it is, you just you need to just cut it off. All right. Um, and so I guess the difference, of course, is that you know, that the excommunication letter is going to provide a remedy back. It's gonna show what conversion looks like, it's gonna show what penance and reconciliation looks like, so you can grow your leg back, all right But so canon law specifies this, canon thirteen eighteen is for grave transgressions. Typically, what we've seen throughout history, uh, we just, the popes and the um, bishops um, just don't jump to excommunication. Right? It typically starts off with some sort of interdict or some sort of penalty. And, And then it escalates, right? The person doesn't respond well. And then so we have to the ecclesial office has to jump to excommunication. So, and I think in his talk with people, um, you know, he's been doing rounds. So I think he started with a Gloria Purvis on her Jesuit podcast, Archbishop Corleone and Sav- Salvatore Corleone, and he said, "Oh, this isn't excommunication, right?" And what he's, he wasn't meaning that <laughs> she's not in communion. Uh, he wasn't saying that clearly the interdict says she's not in communion of Christ in his church. She cannot receive communion. She has to go to the sacraments. Now he wasn't saying, when he said it was, it's not excommunication. He's not saying it's not that. What he's saying is that it's not this, this formal excommunication from on top in this imposition, um, that causes this formal imposed declaration of excommunication. That's what he was saying. But it can get there, he said, in, in a sense. So it's for grave transgressions. It's formal. It's imposed. There, there's a file that the, the Code of Canon Law specifies that the bishop has to keep a file, a private file about this. Or it can be publicly declared. It's declaratory. It's, it's a pronouncement from ecclesiastical authority. So... <clears throat> This is no joke when it gets to this point, right? And so this is really an escalation in the matter of what we've seen when people are saying, okay, you cannot, you cannot receive communion. You have to have conversion, penance, and reconciliation, right? which, which you, you've done uh, is, is, it shows a wound within you that needs a, attending. And so, but for whatever reason, uh, that... That wound continued to fester and grow bigger. Now the church had to come down and and make this public decoration that's clear and precise. That not only are you cannot receive the sacraments of um the Holy Eucharist, but you don't even have recourse to the sacrament of penance and rec- reconciliation with a priest. Um you cannot even hold any Office, uh, you may not even be able to receive the sacrament anointing of the sick, right? So, it's a hard, it's a hard, hard coming down upon that wound. Um, and, and so it is serious matter. In in Canon thirteen thirty one, any ministerial partici- uh, you're forbidden from any ministerial participation. In celebrating sacrifice sacrifice, the Eucharist or any ceremonies of worship whatsoever, you cannot even attend to the Mass. You cannot, if you're a priest in a sense, clearly, um, or bishop, uh, you cannot celebrate the sacraments or the sacraments or sacraments. I think I have to correct that slide. So I think it's saying you cannot celebrate the, um okay. I think it's, I'm supposed to type here, you cannot receive a sacrament or sacramentals or receive the sacraments. So yeah, even the sacramentals are off limits to you. You're forbidden from exercising any ecclesiastical office, ministries, or functions whatsoever or to place acts of governance. So you're done, All right? Uh, so it, yeah, this is serious matter. And once we get to this point, then, and hopefully, the person knows that um, they really need conversion. If you cannot go to mass, if you're barred from mass itself, then you need you need to you need some serious correction. <clears throat> and of course, I, I would argue from what we've seen in the case of Nancy Pelosi receiving an interdict from her bishop. And then still going to mass the next week and receive a Holy Communion without conversion, penance, and reconciliation specified in the interdict. We're talking about a person whose hubris and, and pride is at such a level that is doing great harm to their soul great harm to their soul. And when you see a person like that, doing that type of harm to their soul, it's like a person who, you know, showed up at the doctor and the doctor said, if you keep doing such and such, you're going to die. Um, But then they keep doing such and such a good family member. would, whatever they're doing, take it away from them. If they care about them, take it away. Lock them up in a room, whatever. But whatever they're doing that's causing them to die, stop them from doing that. Um, And so that's the point where I think Archbishop Salvatore Corleone is at. If Nancy Pelosi keeps receiving, going to mass and receiving communion, Uh, clearly there's a bishop in Washington, an archbishop, a cardinal in in Washington, D.C., who um, doesn't mind sticking his Middle finger up at one of his brother bishops, and saying, "Screw off! I don't care about your interdict." Just an archbishop, of cardinal, DC, just, just pissing all over the code of canon law, just, just no respect whatsoever. Um, so that's not going to help. It's the only only recourse that uh, Archbishop. Salvatore Conley only has is to escalate this thing, to ban her from the mass altogether for her health, for her soul, for her salvation. This is, this is medicinal. But so that's the class on S-communication. And so I hope I've helped broaden out this subject. I've made the necessary nuances so we can think about this more broadly about what is, what you know, what is, what is, what is the church, what is the church teaching here? Um, And what can I do to make sure that I'm always in communion with Christ and his church? And the formula is simple, right? It's always daily conversion, right? Daily conversion, not even daily, right? By the minute, every moment saying yes to God and no to Satan, right? Yes to virtue, no to sin. All right. always yes to love, no to hate. That's just that that daily conversion, convert, 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 and it's it's a it's a thing that we have to do every moment throughout the day. All right. things that always help that is is, is um, making our life an unceasing prayer, like being a prayer, being love, being like I talk in my podcast, the liturgical sense of the scriptures, um, being a Eucharistic people in the world, being in the world who we have received through the liturgy, and that's ultimately being a martyr, right? because that's what the liturgy is preparing us for, to die for our faith, in a sense. Yes, to preach, to teach, to heal, right? Because we always, we have Christ within us, so we have that, that ministry within us, to preach, teach, and heal. But also, to live the life of Christ is to walk, to ascend to Calvary, right? So that's what liturgy is preparing us for. And so how do we get there, right? Saying yes to God. And also, so there's there's conversion, and there's penance and reconciliation, always turning to the sacraments, a um, penance of reconciliation, and also those things which the catechism outlines for conversion opportunities, the reading the scriptures, the praying, the sacramentals, right? Um, All that stuff, holy water, the rosary, all that stuff, opportunities for um, penance and reconciliation, the indulgences. So this is a life of work that we, we have to do to remain in the community. Right. But the good thing about being a Catholic is that God has made it possible um, the Holy Spirit has given us the capacity to do it before we see the Holy Spirit. We don't we have a very limited capacity to be who God has created us to be. But um, the Holy Spirit expands our capacity exponentially. Right? We have more capacity than we even know to be holy. And it is important to be holy because holiness is the only thing that can heal the world that is in. The world continues to look for solutions. Right. It always has the world always has a, a new solution. Oh let's let's try this, right? Let's let's try critical race theory or or um let's try gun control. Right. Imagine if Jesus Christ came to pass a law. The Romans were phenomenal at laws. They had some of the best laws. They were good at writing laws. Jesus didn't come with one policy or legislation to give to the Romans. Hey, you should you guys should pass this law. This would make everything. Jesus came because He is the answer. He is the truth. So, as long as we continue to pursue Christ, live, be Eucharistic people, pursue holiness, everything else takes care of itself in this world. Holy people sin less. All right, so more holy people in the world is going to be less sin. All right, holiness fixes everything. Pollution, whatever, whatever your 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 your, your thing is. Right. Um, harming the environment, whatever, whatever your thing is, that, that's your big issue, is holiness. We'll fix it. And so that's the course that we're on. And and so if we get off track, the church calls it excommunication, right? And it's is formal, but also is is grave, is is sinning, right? Um and so when we get off track, we always have a remedy to get back on track on a path of holiness. So that's what I encourage you to do. Uh, let's pray for one another for our holiness. Let's be saints. And again, thank you for attending to the class on the teaching on excommunication. And I hope that you visit my website or visit Udemy to take a look at more of my classes that are there now and that will be coming in the future. But until then, until next time, blessings and shalom to you and to yours.